2: I think primarily the focus will be um, who's rested, who's rested, who hasn't pitched a couple days in a row, and, uh, and, and, and work it that way until Brandon becomes available, and when he becomes available, he's still not going to be an everyday kind of a thing, so I do, I will work off uh, numbers, but I think with this particular group, a lot of it will have to do with who's most rested. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah, it's Joe Madden talking about who's going to close for the Chicago Cubs until Brandon Morrow comes back. And then even when Brandon Morrow comes back, it's not like that guy's going to be able to go two days in a row. I was
1: going to say, and then when Brandon Morrow goes on the disabled list, who's going to close? Right. And like, because and that's not a, it's just look at his career. He's had one healthy <sighs> year in a 12-year MLB career.
0: One. And, um, and he, when he did go on the DL last year. Uh, Apparently, Joe Madden's boss really angry at Joe Madden because of it. Because he used him three days in a row one time, which he pointed out during the season and after the season.
1: Yeah. Not too pleased. Hmm. Wonder why. Not Maintaining or on maintenance days for the guy who is constantly battling arm issues.
0: It is. uh, the, The whole year is set up for all the pressure to be on Joe. There's nothing else. They've done everything else. Barring a trade or a big free agent signing, which they're not doing and not going to do. They've changed every other coach they've talked about how there's more urgency they've brought in new bench coach personality who's right there and ready if you want to just move things over they've put front office uh, assistants essentially into coaching positions right there in the dugout next to joe there's nothing left if they if they if they lose eight out of ten at some point where else are you pointing Well,
1: yeah. And I mean, I thought that that was, yes, obviously the quotes that came out and the news that came out in regards to Chris Bryant specifically, but some of the other young hitters as well with Chili Davis and then how Jim Hickey was here and then gone all of a sudden. It's like those were the handpicked Joe guys that were going to be the difference Replacing coaches that helped win a World Series for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. It's like, you, you, you better take a big, significant step if you're making those changes one year after you won a World Series. And what did you see? You saw a pitching staff that... Everything went to hell with it until Cole Hamels showed up. Mm-hmm. Then things started to turn around finally for that starting rotation. You saw, an offense, you saw was... an offense that was just, I mean, you had Javier Baez take a huge step in his career offensively, and you had a lot of guys take a significant step back.
0: It was um, very on, Uh, it was supposed to be, you know, guys improving their situational hitting with the new hitting coach who was good at that, and that's kind of exactly the opposite of what happened. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. They just kept trying to hit homers, and they did not uh, hit them in the second half to the rate that they did. Uh, Cleaning up something that came up earlier, um, Daryl Dawkins, 1975, and Bill Willoughby, 1975, the first two NBA guys to go straight from high school. But one year before that, Moses Malone went straight to the ABA from high school. So we were on. It, that's with right moses and and chocolate thunder that's right
1: feel good about that forget your research projects we can do this we got Screw our own we're our,
0: we're our own sports all that acts. we don't need producers we'll run our own board <laughs> damn right like some people Wait. used to do back in the day you know don't take whoa, whoa, it personally whoa whoa
1: whoa, whoa. Stud, you're, you can you're go gonna talk now. me out of a job here
0: hey you know that right you know he used to run his own board I mean, first, first of all jonathan branmeyer used to run okay. his own board for years that, and years yeah. No, a guy who was working at the score now used to run his own board. I'm sure Mac did. 100%. Yes. Mac,
1: it- want to be in control of something? No. <laughs> Never would have guessed it. You don't mean to tell me. <laughs> if Danny Parkins had a clue how to run a board, I'm sure I mean, he'd I be just, the same he'd, way. He'd be doing it. Guy didn't right. know how to press the button to save his life, though,
0: I'm sure. McNeil <laughs> in 92... McNeil comes over after having been Chet's guy. Uh huh. You know, he gave Chet a wrap up, my yeah. friend, and then he moved over to the score. And as he started hosting in the afternoons, he was running his own board.
1: So how hard was it then to? I wasn't
0: there. I just... Okay, because I got there ninety four, and I heard, oh yeah, he Mac was done to... with the board. He by was then. done. He, he was had, done. He had moved over to the host chair.
1: I was just curious how hard it was to <laughs> then, if you're running your own board and doing a show, where does the cart toss come in? Like, is it? Is that a next level? Of, I mean, that's it, it, an extra step that you tried to question. account for.
0: Well, the old setup on Belmont, I remember, you got like five cart machines over there to play your commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, the hosts used to have two cart machines to play their little sound drops a and fantasy. stuff. Yeah. So, but how's he doing that? Where where is he getting the commercials and the hosts' Right. Carts? right. Crazy. I don't know. Well, no it's wonder it didn't last. More than anything. <laughs> <laughs> Three days a week with uh with Hanley and two days a week with Boers. That was the first afternoon show. Mac it's, and Mac and Hanley and Mac and Boers.
1: It's just so crazy to me that like the changing regularly of okay, well, you're gonna be co-host for a couple days a week uh-huh. and this is gonna be your co-host a couple days of the week. It's like stability. Is that a good thing? Is it you know, having the same people to hear
0: time and time again? Is that good? I guess, I guess it guess depends so. what your goal is. I guess so. You know? Are you looking for quality and consistency or are you right. looking for personal happiness and satisfaction?
1: Yeah, gotta, I guess so. It's, just, it's just crazy to me how things are programmed sometimes in like 25 years ago. And then there's other examples if you want to go find them as well that aren't so much happening here. Um, this it, hour brought to you by yes. Team Hochberg, by the way. Thank Visit you. the new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. All
0: right, so there's a bunch of stuff that MLB teams use that that we barely have an understanding of. Rapsodo, you familiar with Rapsodo? It is a data collection unit. It is basically, it's the spin rate thing. It's the It is the best thing that you measure your spin Rapsodo meets you where you are, whether it's the batting cage or the driving range, with app-based displays. They use it for baseball. They can use it for golf and stuff like that, but it's, you know. It's
1: probably what's used in the golf simulators.
0: Could be right, like could when be. you do the
1: golf swing and you are playing the courses that are on the screen. Wouldn't that be right?
0: Probably the same thing. And they're analyzing your swing, and right. then and then golf like,
1: oh, that was a two hundred and sixty yard right. drive, and it wound up here.
0: One, so when you are getting it's a lesson a inside, very similar thing, yeah, yeah, inside the golfsmith, you are getting a lesson that could very well be what they're using. And they also use Repsoto in 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 spring training to get data on pitchers. Um, and they use something called the Edgertronic cameras right now at Cubs camp. Tommy Haasavy has two different mounds wired. He's got two mounds. Wow, hot mound on Good mound action. Yeah, and it. Carl gives... Edwards is
1: pausing on top of one
0: of them. hundred <laughs> percent. It gives. He, has, he wants as many relievers as possible to pitch on those mounds that are rigged with edgertronic high-speed cameras and Rapsodo data collection units. They will give the pitchers footage and information to pour over as they refine their deliveries. Starting pitchers will also get time on those mounds as we get closer to when the games begin. Tommy said, having two mounds wired lets me get six guys a day. So he's getting six guys every day. We get guys on there on a consistent basis, really get baselines, get video. Guys come in right when they're done, are able to watch that and compare data and see where they're at. So they put themselves in the Edgertronic, or they film themselves with this Edgertronic camera. Then they sit there and pick it apart, frame by painstaking frame, over and over and over again. Am I the only geek... That would be interested in hanging out and watching that 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 footage. Um, I would
1: be for a short amount of time. I don't know what the shelf life is for, uh, for 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 that, and for me staying interested that much. Like, is that something I'm curious here? Yeah. Because pitchers seem like they're. I mean, they're they're a funky bunch. They go. To extremes in whatever way that their kind of habits are right. You They're, have some that I didn't hate. know they,
0: they sang with Marky Let's Mark. Say, I, had no exactly. I had no idea. Exactly, had no idea.
1: But <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Just a group of like guys that just that they they are very much creatures of habit, and I can't help but think of like Cubs that had issues last year. You Darvish, we know that he wasn't healthy, probably way back in spring last year, and he got off to a rocky start, and Mm -hmm. then then the mental side of it took its toll on him, and it was next to nothing, less than nothing, that he ended up giving you. But like Tyler Chatwood, who, how many times was it after games where he'd walk six and be out of the game in the third inning, did you hear, oh, in my own head, and I'm overthinking things and whatnot? He figured
0: something out, supposedly.
1: Yeah, okay. i believe
0: it. He went and worked with two of his high school coaches in the offseason, Tyler Chatwood, and they figured out – Two of his, old, his mm-hmm. own old high school coaches, they figured out that he was doing this weird thing, and you can picture it as I'll, as I'll say it, where his pitching hand got pointed towards third base before he would rear back and fire, and that was setting off some kind of chain reaction in his mechanics that was throwing off the control. Okay. Supposedly. So
1: Tyler Chatwood's fixed. That's, that's his, what we know. That's his Tyler story. Tyler Chatwood's
0: fixed. That's his there story, and he's go. sticking to it.
1: That's Hey, that's uh, in our spring training bingo card that we have to put together. Of all the stories that we get each and every
0: year. Blank Just is whichever fixed.
1: Every team, so-and-so is fixed. Free agent disappointment bouncing back. Uh-huh. Like, hey, Tyler you know, Chatwood. You know, that's it favorite. this year. You know, my favorite.
0: This blank is in the best, best shape, shape of his, his life, life. Uh, this yes. year. That's Daniel Palka. Okay. Daniel Palka at White Sox camp is in the best shape of his life, Man,
1: and he's he's bound to hit forty home runs as a result. Uh, you always know. get
0: the stories
1: of best shape of his life. Yes. It's going to be a huge monstrous year
0: for, uh, the, for fill in the blank player. This texture says no speaks. You're not the only guy who wants to watch six pitchers fire away on two mounds. It's a specific market, but you're not alone. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Come with me. See, here's the deal. The Edgertronic camera is named after a guy named Thomas Edgerton. If you're near a computer and you got a minute or you got your phone, Google um, – sorry, uh, Harold Edgerton. Harold Edgerton. And – he was a, um, an MIT professor and, like, a hero of my father's because my dad was a big photographer. He used to, you know— um,
1: Herb was a big photo guy, but, huh?
0: Yeah, he had, had a dark room in the basement. I used to go down there and help him develop films while he listened to ball games late at night. It's awesome. Good memories. Um, but Edgerton is the guy who filmed—who took pictures of, like, uh, a, a droplet of milk— falling in the milk and it all pops up and it looks like a crown Mm -hmm. and people saw that for the first time ever and they're like, oh my God, that's what, that's what liquid looks like. What? When it's captured like that or the very famous photo of the, um, the bullet going through the apple. Mm -hmm. And so the apples exploded on one side and the other side and you capture the bullet in motion. Freaking badass Harold, Doc Edgerton from MIT. So I love that the Edgertronic uh, cameras named after him. Yeah. So I'm geeking out hard on Edutronic video. There you go. It's like the Freak on a Leash
1: video from Corn back in the day of like the bullet that's fired from a cartoon and then it goes into real life and it explodes different things in a kitchen and whatever else that you it tracks through. I think there's a lava lamp that's in there at some point and whatnot, but it's the same kind of. It's it's the a, exact same thing. You're following just, the bullet follow all the way around. The bullet for three minutes or whatever, and it's blowing up a cookie jar in the side of a house and whatever mm-hmm.
0: else. See, there you go. Uh, see, I love that. Edgertronic.
1: Edgertronic. Hope, hope he got a little chunk, or at least his uh, his descendants got a little bit of chunk of money for he got, that. Got a
0: little piece, right? Right. Yeah. And they, d- that they deserve that deserve uh, that. Texture says, John Lester told Tommy Hadovy he could take his two wired mounds and his rapsodo and shove them up his <laughs> Now You know who would have said that is lackey.
2: Right. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure. I don't, I don't sure. need that. I, I, I don't need that. Right.
0: I can't imagine what John
1: Lackey. Okay, here's this new uh, new technology that we have. We're gonna sit down and analyze well, this for the next forty five minutes. Ooh, once you're done throwing garbage, yeah, model. <laughs> I need my bush light, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna be down here in the clubhouse, and I'm getting a no haircut and
0: for uh, some jewelry. I didn't. I didn't did know John Lackey was on King of the Hill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he turns into <laughs>
0: <boom> hour. <laughs> I had no idea he was on there. My favorite my favorite Lackey moment is gonna be. And for a long time it was gonna be that moment. Me and Parkins were um backstage in a in a green room and Lackey who actually, Lackey and Ross, I think, walked in and Lackey had he was quadruple fisted. He had two I think they were vodka tonics in one hand and two more in the other. It was quadruple fisted. And they were all for him. Cause you know, he didn't want to go to the bar twice or three times or four not. times. And be efficient. Um, yeah, and uh, and Parkins said, Hey, so uh you're catching up there, huh? Catching up. And Lackey said What well, what makes you think I'm catching up? <laughs> so he'd been just rolling keeping, that keeping way. Pace. It's just yeah, keeping pace up.
2: That's all. Oh, That's fun tonight night. Yeah. It was awesome atmosphere tonight. It's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. boom hour.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Lackey. I could listen to that guy like <laughs> Trust me, man. I could listen to him talk, though, just because it's one of the best Chicago sports. I mean, voices. You know, and I'm not talking about announcers, but just in terms of speaking voice, speaking voices of athletes. At least, not, right. not necessarily the best, but the ones I enjoyed the most.
0: Chicago speaking voice draft. you taking John Lackey. Yeah, yeah taking your John
1: Lackey and his haircut.
0: I'll take Bill Cartwright. Bill Cart. Uh, Bill <laughs> Cartwright's a great one. That's a good one to feel go good to. About, I, feel good
1: I remember about that uh, one. on the '90s Bulls idea, BJ Armstrong thinking like, oh, young, smiley BJ, he looks like just a happy kid. Then he has the deep thunder voice, the thunder throat, like when you'd hear him talk and get interviewed and be like, wow, that came out of nowhere. I was not (laughs) expecting that whatsoever. Guy had pipes,
0: though. All right, um, I think think we went too deep on Chicago Voices.
1: (laughs) Right, I don't even know if I'm making that as a pick, just as an
0: observation. (laughs) Lackey and Cartwright. And then and then, and then then we're done, just like that. Uh, phone lines are wide open for you if you want to talk edutronic cameras. And or, why wouldn't you? Or dunk contests or iconic speaking voices in Chicago sports history. Uh, we'll Purdue in a few minutes to talk about Michael Jordan on the eve of his 56th birthday. Yes, you're old. It's
2: 670, the score. Fair expectations. Uh, I mean, I think we're trying to win the World Series. I didn't come here for a haircut, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to get it on. I came here for <laughs> Give the
0: man his jewelry. Give him whatever he needs.
1: I could listen to him talk about anything all day long. Break down pitching mechanics, break down, I'm sure foreign policy would be great with one John Lackey.
0: There's a um, pretty good idea from a texter, John Lackey on the porch. Be an excellent way to fill time on the Marquee Network. It would be great because
1: <laughs> on his porch, who knows who's gonna stop by. Is it I think Jake Arrieta. Are you, how are like you doing? The,
2: Look Jake Peavy's here. <laughs> I think How's Arrieta up,
1: lives right down the street from him. Um Kevin
0: Millar. Well maybe you don't want to do that, but Kevin no, no, Millar no, is in the neighborhood there. There's a spittoon um, there on the corner. <laughs> there's oh, an old brass spit <laughs> right? There's a there's a banjo on one side and an old mandolin. Now with, you're talking
1: my style. <laughs> I know we
0: are. There's two strings on a mandolin sitting off. The the other
2: side <laughs> go. I got that's a long a, memory yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah that's my uh, of chicago sports <laughs> athletes to um to or not even athletes executives for that matter i'm taking his voice i'm taking You're uh, taking, taking him as my
0: number one pick um textures reminded me of joe kane the great joe kane if you want, uh, gotta refresh me. Uh, Chicago Bears middle linebacker. I know,
1: yeah, I know the name.
2: Yeah, Joe Joe Kane. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he was talking like down here. Like, what's going on, man? Hey, Joe Kane. He was funny too. <laughs>
0: funny ass dude. And funny he used. Um, he was a great guest, and then they gave him a couple hosting shifts. Oh, on the score. Including an overnight. They gave Joe Kane a solo oh, overnight. I this story. Man. <laughs> and I'll never forget Joe Kane in the middle of the night. The middle of the night go, Come on, man. I need some phone calls. I need some phone calls. <laughs> Will somebody just call? <laughs> somebody, please. <laughs> oh, God. It was so great. <laughs> um, oh, Paul God. Edinger, former Bears kicker Paul Edinger. He had the
1: weird, like, golf swing... Influenced
0: turn thing when he kicked, remember? Mm-hmm. I like them French fried <laughs> potatoes. You sound a lot like Sling Blade to Paul Edinger. And something was asked Bernsey sometime about Paul Edinger. There was something something just not quite right with well, Paul Edinger. Didn't Paul Edinger? Edinger, wasn't
1: he the one that got hammered in Florida and was driving over mailboxes? My confusing <sighs> former Bears kickers, but wasn't that a thing that Paul Edinger <sighs> was It could be in Florida and got arrested for either a DUI or on suspicion of a DUI because he had run over like (laughs) mailbox after mailbox after mailbox right in a
0: row. Uh, James Big Cat Williams, that's a hell of a voice. He's still.
1: he's like when you watch the news and they have the person that doesn't want to be on camera and they don't want their identity to be revealed <laughs> and you hear like the computer program yeah, voice that's big cat that's big cat that's big cat on post game for you <laughs> like that's what his voice sounds like it's so deep and it's like uh-huh. that's just not no one speaks like that but big cat does he sounds like that uh, that, that special voice on the news uh,
0: see a, a lot of people bring it up carlos boozer maybe just just cuz i'm on but like boozer's actual speaking voice nothing no, special not memorable at all but the shouting voice on the court <laughs> give me that joe help, <laughs> yeah yeah that's right joe <laughs> help, help come on help
2: help <laughs>
0: Rotando, <laughs> Mommy. After his phony help defense, that's right. Carlos yeah. Boozer was a hype man. Like Carlos Boozer, definitely, was like, definitely it, was. I, if you ever listened to um, "Insane in the Membrane," mm-hmm. "Insane in the Brain," Joe, that's yeah, it, that was that's him. Carlos in the that's background. Carlos Boozer in the um, background. Does Tibbs in up. his
1: ice, ice, pretty good. Did That do anything
0: for you? Is pretty good. Worthy ice. of the list, or or Phil, Phil, yeah, Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming for cuckoo. Yeah,
1: right after he has the, the quick whistle.
0: Um it's a very sensible, immediate transition to Wayne in Lafayette, who's on six seventy the score. What's up, Wayne? How are you?
2: Hey Mac. Hey Shep, what's going on, man? It was so great to meet you guys at that um uh Mac and um deal before the Super Bowl on that Friday. Yeah, but I remember I remember that, I remember that Wayne. A, great, a fun day, Good to Wayne. Meet you. It was great, guys, man. And you guys know how to put on a party up there at the score, and I just want to thank the world for you. But anyways, yeah, hey, mighty great to meet you guys, man. You're super people. And uh, anyway, hey.
1: Keep the confidence we going. We'll we cut you off. we about the though. Bears missing out
2: on this um, Hunt guy. Are we happy about that? And uh, do you think um, Howard can snap out of it this year after one year behind our new coach, Nagy?
0: Thank you, Wayne. Wayne giving, us, giving us timely Bears, Bears running game conversation. Bears are back.
1: Like, Bears are back when you are in the middle of a baseball conversation and debating over the greatest Chicago sports and athletes' voices of all time. And you get the Kareem hunch that the Bears have pursued him more thoroughly than they did. I'll well, well, the Bears are back. They're front of mind. They're, 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 they're the, the big team in town, and they're finally good again.
0: They need a load running back. They they need a three down running back, and I mean I love Tariq Cohen, but it's 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 to the point now that when he's out there you know what he's going to do mm-hmm. and that's it's terrific what he does, but Jordan Howard is not a guy you want out there right if you if you are if you want to disguise your offense you need a guy who can be a three down back or you need somebody who's at least going to hit the line quicker in your shotgun, in your zone read plays than Jordan Howard does. I don't know what it is. Something about that pause at the top of the play for both the zone reads and I think the RPOs as well. It's just Jordan Howard doesn't hit the line with a head of steam and run like he can out of that particular offense. They transition in the final month of the year to running with with Trubisky under center and just like, okay, we're calling a run play. This is a run play. And on those plays, Jordan Howard ran with a ton more authority and had more success.
1: It's almost like he's trying to do what Le'Veon Bell does, just not nearly as well. Where there's the hesitance, where there's patience, waiting for a hole. Yeah. Okay, don't just run where the hole's supposed to be. Wait for something, and it just is. It's not nearly as efficiently done or
0: as well performed as mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell. It's mm-hmm. like a
1: poor man's version of that, essentially.
0: Yeah. It's 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 it. You can't you can't you can't really. You can't really do it. Um, it's a very specific skill. Is that another
1: segment? Can't really you, do Parkins it. Gonna do, you and Parkins can do one day. <laughs> like next time that you're in. It's, can't do it, it's off. Can't really do it. Don't know what the circumstances of that might be. But oh, God. I'm down for calls on it.
0: Uh, this is Alex in Orangeville. I don't know where Orangeville is, but Alex is there, and now he's calling us. Hello,
2: Alex. Hey, guys. Really enjoying it this morning. Good conversation. Thanks, um, sir. My question is, last year, you know, they bumped the start of baseball back. Uh, Earlier that is, and I remember you know snow falling with the White Sox opener, and you know there's the wacky Cubs Braves game with all that rain and sleet and all those runs getting scored. I granted that later, but yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think that's working? And you know, it doesn't really, it's not really balanced either because if you're in Arizona or Florida, you don't have you know snow (laughs) in play.
0: Um, No, so he's wondering if you're starting baseball earlier is leading to more rainouts. It's it's been an awkward problem at the beginning of several seasons in in recent memory that they have the bad rainouts like that.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's weather, it's unpredictable. It's yes, it's going to be cold and wet and sloppy in April and into May with that. But what's the what's the resolution? You kick baseball back a week, two weeks, and then when do you have World Series games being played two weeks before Thanksgiving—is mm. that what anybody wants? Short I mean, in the season already, like more double headers. I because part of the reason it got moved up is because players wanted more days off, more scheduled days off, and I mean it's it's. A long season, right. obviously. You start in Cold to leave if you're in the Midwest or in the north at all, the last days of March, the first days of April, and it goes until if your team's good, it goes until the end of October when the weather's has turned right. by then and you're playing in thirty-five degrees, forty degrees, Man, and it's a
0: balmy night. You 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 talk about the challenges of the upcoming collective bargaining agreement. You start talking about wanting to take some games away from ownership and organizations taking what 10 15 gates away from owners that is not going to go well right that part of it's not going to go well and it's the same with with double headers and trying to consolidate and essentially removing one day's worth of gate yeah not e- going to happen.
1: exactly like that part of it and i mean the idea is oh just shorten the schedule to 154 like it used to be okay great in theory Not realistic when you talk about the millions and millions and millions that would be lost across baseball.
0: It's 670, the score. He's Nick Shepkowski. I'm Matt Spiegel here on a Saturday. Um, Shep is in for Rosenblum, I I think, unless I'm in for Rosenblum and you're in for me. Something like that. We're trying to figure it out. But either way, tomorrow Michael Jordan is 56. And this made you want to talk to a, an old teammate of Michael's, along with other Bulls things and NBA things here at All-Star Weekend.
1: Well, and I wanted to talk to Will Purdue because it's spring training-wise. And last year, Will Purdue for us was also breaking down White Sox pitchers and Cubs pitchers, and he's a man that just attended his first Super Bowl in person before. Tons of things to talk to you about with Will Purdue. What's going on,
0: Will?
2: Oh, not too much, but I'm going to give you guys an inside scoop right now if you want to talk about basketball. We're ready. Or, excuse me, talk about baseball real quick.
0: Okay. Okay, we'll take it.
2: Um, what pitcher, I'll see if you guys can uh, lead me along the way here, what pitcher for the Chicago Cubs will be a free agent next year? Uh,
1: Cole, Cole Hamels, Hamels
2: is one. Yeah, but a guy that's come up through the Cubs organization originally with the Pirates.
0: Originally with the Pirates? Sorry. Pitcher. I'm... I'm missing it. You... Uh, Hend- Hendricks? Kyle Hendricks? uh, Rangers. 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 Pirates is what threw me. Um, I don't, don't, yeah.
2: So uh, does he have one more year of arbitration, or this was his last year of arbitration? He's a free agent next year, right? I
0: I think he's got a a couple more years. Let's see here. Kyle Hendricks is not a uh, free agent. Uh, Let's see. Year
1: three of arbitration coming up this offseason. So
0: 2021. Got two more years for Kyle Hendricks.
2: The Cubs did a nice job of not bringing him up early, but he's a guy that uh, I, as a Sox fan, will be keeping an eye on because I would love to see him on the south side because, as we we know, because of the way he pitches, he can pitch for a long time because he's not a power pitcher. He never has been a power pitcher. He's a location guy, and he he can pitch for a long time, especially since my understanding is he's worked on a few, got a few kinks figured out with his delivery, and uh is ready to roll and he didn't necessarily make a hardcore um um guess but he basically talked about this team's ready to go back to the world series which to me looks pretty good i don't understand all these predictions about this team could only win 82 games really Yeah,
1: we went over that in the first hour there a little bit, and I'm just concerned if you're counting on so many people to have a bounce-back year that it seems a bit unrealistic and far-fetched myself. That's that's where my concern comes in as a Cubs fan.
0: Your guy Kyle Hendricks is the most fun I've ever had talking pitching with a guest, between him and Steve Stone. I mean, Stone, who just knows so much about pitching and isn't afraid to tell you that, and then Hendricks, who knows a lot, and you <laughs> got you got to pull it out of him a little bit more. Hendricks is a brilliant, brilliant
2: guy. Well, he's so. very quiet. He doesn't like to talk about himself, but if you give him a little time and you massage him correctly, he'll start talking to you about the game, and then you can't get him to shut up.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, Hendricks, he's a fun interview, and he's he's fun when he starts to break down. I don't know. He's like mini Maddox, and I don't want to compare anybody to Greg Maddox. A
2: little premature. I thought he only had one year left on arbitration, but I know that uh, he's definitely worth every penny that he's getting as far as reliability, and the number of innings that he pitches on a yearly basis.
0: So, so were you the guy, you know, during those, those Bulls title runs, during those playoff runs, your guy reading box scores and sneaking away to a ball game every once in a while? Was that you, Will Purdue?
2: That was me. And, and Probably one of the most disappointing uh, playoff runs that we have had was in 93 when I think the, the Sox were primed to go to the World Series and I think were possibly the favorites to win it. And what happened?
0: They lost uh, to the Blue Jays.
2: Well, I think that was the year of the lockout, was it not? Oh, that's
0: 94. No, Yeah, so yeah. Not 94 was the lockout. Yeah, yeah, 93 was when they, they lost in the, in the ALCS to the Blue they Jays. They lost to
2: the Blue Jays the next year. I think they were the because I remember... We would always complain that uh, Phil was running too long with the uh, practices in October (laughs) because it took us so long to get to the south side at that time of the evening.
0: Yeah, White Sox, that lockout came when the White Sox were 67-46 and in first place. Frank Thomas was having one of the greatest years of his life. And Tony Gwynn was, you know, thinking about hitting 400, 400 and, yeah. That's uh, it was a damn shame. Luckily, after- luckily you could just, you know, turn the attention to uh, to basketball and roll to another title.
2: <laughs> Those were so, great I'm, days. I'm one of the fortunate fans there. I wasn't from Chicago. I'm fans of both uh the Cubs and the White Sox. I didn't grow up there, so I don't, you know, my allegiance obviously was to the White Sox because of Reinsdorf, but at the same time when I would go to games, I got to know, you know, Ozzy, I got to know Frank, um you know, I just I got to know some of the players, and that's when you kind of have a you, you feel closer to that team because of that.
1: Well, with it being All Star Weekend in the NBA, it's it's always fun to watch as a fan, especially as tonight's made for the kids and the teenagers with the dunk contest and three point contest. Essentially, a handful of players get to participate in either the Saturday night activities, the Friday night activities, or the actual game. What's the rest of the league do? What did you do as a player when All-Star weekend came? <laughs> like, is it you get away? You're
0: you saying you didn't play in the All-Star game? Is that what you're saying, Why, It's not breaking it didn't news. I'm just low.
1: curious. Like, what do you do? Like, is it viewed as vacation and I'm getting away for the weekend? Is it, all right, I'm going to pay attention to my family for the first time in three months? Like, how-
2: uh, it's, it's, it's definitely. And here's the other thing. This is where the league, in my opinion, has gone a little soft. We basically would always play that Thursday night game on TNT. So then we would have to, you know, if we were on, and more times than not because of this time of year, I think this time of year was uh, Disney on ice. So we were on the West Coast somewhere, whether it be Seattle, L.A., Oakland, Denver, whatever. So most of the guys would, um, at least in the Bulls case, would find somewhere on the West Coast to go because the last thing you wanted to do, because we always knew practice on Monday at 4 o'clock because we always had a game on Tuesday. That's how short so-called, air quotes, all-star break was Hmm. because we were always one of the better teams and because of Michael, we always had that last game on Thursday night on TNT where some teams, you know, played on Wednesday and had Thursday off. So Friday was a travel day. More more than likely, Sunday was a travel day. So you really only had one full day to kind of all-star break it. So, you know, more times than not, we would be in California somewhere. But you would be surprised. Send somebody to Vegas right now and see how many NBA guys you see in Las Vegas right now. You'd be surprised.
0: <laughs> uh, Will, Michael turns 56 tomorrow. Um, and I'm wondering, like, these days, when his name comes up, and you kind of close your eyes and you picture some moment where you guys shared the court. You're here for here for a long time, 88 to 95. Like, what, what, what comes to mind? Is there a specific game that comes to mind, a practice moment where you're just like, man, that dude is the greatest and I get to be here with him?
2: Well, that happened quite a bit, quite honestly. Yeah. And I'll use an example because of a guy that's been in the news a little bit because he seems to be flip-flopping on who seems to be the man because – This time last year, Scotty Pippen said, LeBron was the guy. Now he's saying MJ's the guy. But one of the things that MJ used to always do, and this is a practice story, if he felt that Scotty or somebody you know was kind of feeling a little bit full of themselves, wasn't practicing hard enough or was enjoying the fruits of their labor a little too much, maybe partying a little too much, he would go over to Phil and be like, hey, Phil, put that guy on the other team meaning, hey, put him with the second guy. So, you know, me, B.J., Stacy, Craig Hodges, all of a sudden, Scotty. And then eventually everybody knew what that meant. That meant that Michael was going at him, Michael was going to teach him a lesson, and Michael was going to let him know that, hey, man, you never rest on your laurels. Our job is to always get better. Our job is to continually work harder and be better than our opponent. Because everybody's gunning for us, and that was some of the best practices. Because he would just he a he was relentless in his efforts. B he would just constantly go at Scotty and talk so much trash (laughs) that for us it was somewhat entertaining. But on the other hand, you also felt bad for Scotty because you're like, dude, you know, just buck up, play him, whatever you do, don't talk back. Because then, then you're just putting fuel on the fire. Just do your best and leave it at that. So there was some entertainment value there as well.
1: Off the court, away from the practice facilities, was there anything either golf-related, hanging out-related, that 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 personality, that drive to just be better and drive everyone else that, that shined through with, with Jordan away from the court?
2: Well, away from the court, he was just as bad. I mean, on our flights... You know, he would come up to the front of the plane and sit there and play one dollar blackjack with me and John Paxson and BJ and Bill Cartwright and be like, dude, you're playing for hundreds of dollars in the back of the plane. Why would you come to the front of the plane and play for a dollar a hand blackjack? And his answer was, because I want your money in my pocket and then I can walk around and I can show it to you just to remind you who has the upper hand.
0: It's that damn, it's that damn junior <laughs> high coach, man. It's like that that junior high coach you cut him right. It right. just it, it led to a lifetime of giving people like you crap like that.
2: Well, Purdue. Well, I mean, you know, and I always. I tell people this. Everybody's like, oh man, if you see a Hall of Fame speech, what an a hole. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't get it. That's Michael. He's actually complimenting those people and thanking those people hmm. for how they, in his eyes, mistreated him. But because of what they did. They didn't truly mistreat him. They motivated him. That's him saying thank you.
0: That's interesting. Uh, you know, I've always looked at that speech as one of the many examples of, uh, you know, sometimes you can't separate the person from the player. Like, whatever makes a guy brilliant and makes him great at what he does might also make him abrasive. You know, it, it's like what, what it said, my friend Jason Goff used to say, same thing makes you laugh, makes you cry. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever that is in you. Because I felt like that was Michael Duncan on everybody one more time. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. But also, it's like you talk about you can't separate the person and the player. He, that's one and the same. I'd say he's softened now because, as you just pointed out, he's going to be 56. But it's one of those things. You know what you're going to get. Don't don't offer to play golf with Michael and then not be willing to gamble with him. Because you know what's going to happen if you're going to play golf He's going to want to gamble, and if you don't want to gamble, he's going to ridicule you and embarrass you until you do. You got, you know what's coming. So don't sit there and, and offer to play golf and want to play, oh, I want to play golf with Michael Jordan. Everybody knows what's going to happen. And then get off the golf course and be like, what a jerk. No, no, no. You stepped into his domain. You have to play according to his rules. That's how it works.
1: Will, 25 years ago this week is when... Jordan reported the spring training as a member of the Chicago White Sox. How closely did the Bulls team as players as former teammates with him were you guys paying attention to what he was doing in Florida in spring training and then in uh, then in Birmingham?
2: Well, I mean, I was watching intently because I I was Like I mean, I can honestly say on one hand, you know, I thought he was nuts. But on the other hand, I I truly understood the challenge that he was trying to take. I I mean, that's the confidence that he had as a player, as a person that he truly believed and he was proved, he proved himself wrong, but he truly believed that he put forth the same effort in baseball that he put forth in basketball. He would be able to succeed. Hmm. He didn't do that. So he could ride around on a bus with triple a Birmingham and double a and all that stuff. He got into baseball because of the love for his, that his dad had for baseball, but also because of the fact that he thought he could succeed. I watched him 10-league. I mean, I went and watched him play in Nashville when um, the Nashville Sounds played the Birmingham Barons. I went and watched him play. I mean, everybody was rooting for him to succeed after we got over the disappointment of him retiring because, you know, that's another thing that Michael used to always talk about, don't take things for granted because you never know when they're going to be taken away from you. Uh, unfortunately for him, his father was taken away from him. And then, you know, on, on the back of that, unfortunately for us, championships were all of a sudden taken away from us because he retired and tried to, and thought, you know, tried to play something else. When we all just assume coming back, Michael's going to be here. We're all going to be here. We're going to be the favorite to win a championship. Now, we almost made it back, even though we lost to the Knicks, but, you know, that was quite an adjustment that we had to make. Mm.
0: You know, I I remember, I think I learned the lesson for the first time during that era that when your best player is also your hardest worker, then you got something special. That Michael, just watching Michael and hearing the stories was when I learned that because it's like, all right, well, if that guy's got all this ability, but he's still going to bust his butt, then who the hell am I to not do that? It's just... That's that's leadership by example that can't be priced, right?
2: No, you're exactly right, because it's one thing. Listen, we can talk about Allen Iverson all you want. The guy was a great player. He just didn't necessarily believe in practice. But at one point, he did practice, because he just didn't walk on the basketball floor and become a great player. He had to practice. He had to work hard to be that great player that a- Allen Iverson was. But once he reached that pinnacle... That's how he looked at it. He says, "Listen, man, you'll get my best effort on game day." Michael was, "Listen, you'll get my best effort every day." And another one of the great stories was, is, you know, and this happened quite a quite a lot. If Michael came into practice before practice started and was already talking smack, he was trying to find a way to get himself motivated because of the fact that he had stayed up late all night playing cards. <laughs> Maybe he was out and about, but he was like, okay, I am now here. I switched my focus on to practice. I'm here to get better. I got to motivate myself a little bit, so I'm going to talk smack, and I'm going to see if anybody takes the bait. More times than not, people didn't take the bait, but every once in a while, you know, whether it was Scotty, whether it was Horace, whether it was Pete Myers, whether it was Ron Harper, somebody would step up and he'd be like, big mistake but then again you knew at that point game on whether you're ready to practice or not you better be able to at least put forth the effort or michael will call you out
1: will appreciate you taking the time this morning this was a ton of fun thank you for taking it enjoy the rest of your saturday
2: all right you got it guys thank
0: you thank you will it's will purdue who won titles with phil jackson won a title with greg popovich as a coach in 1999 in san antonio and Uh, Learned a hell of a lot from playing with Michael. Not so bad. He's Nick Shepkowski. I'm Matt Spiegel. It is 670 The Score. We'll be back in a moment. 670 is uh, where your radio dial is at. Matt Spiegel, Nick Shepkowski here with you for another hour and change
1: on the bottom of the hour. Will Purdue was on on that bottom of the hour. It was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Chicago Wolves have been providing affordable winning hockey for 25 years. Celebrate tomorrow at three as the Wolves host the Iowa wild at all state arena. Enjoy free parking courtesy of Kia and discounted concession items. Visit ChicagoWolves.com.
0: Several textures really enjoyed Will Purdue, um, especially once he got going with the Jordan stuff. It's, you know, we were privileged to watch, if uh, you were alive, the greatest to ever do it. And the greatest, one of the greatest athletes of all time in any sport. We were privileged to watch it. And that guy got to play with him and practice with him and ride planes with him and hang out with him. And it's like, you can tell that a lot of these guys knew at the time just kind of how lucky they had it mm-hmm. and really tried to drink in everything they possibly could.
1: Yeah. Like it stands out to me is when he was comparing it a little bit there to just having a chip on his shoulder. Who does it remind you of in sports today? To me, it's Tom Brady mm-hmm. because it's, oh, was picked 199 overall. Used was, his
0: whole career. Yeah. Used and that motivation.
1: Did the documentary, what, eight, nine years ago now on the Brady Six, the six quarterbacks taken ahead of him. And he's reciting them and telling you exactly what number they were picked at. Yep. Commits it to memory because he used it as a p- part of motivation. And just, I, I think he still does. I think it's safe to say he still does. So I'm still proving people wrong from the draft way back when I was drafted far further down yep. than I thought I should have been. The way I was treated at Michigan, where they couldn't wait to not start me because Drew young – Drew Henson. Yes, Drew Henson, who went on to play for the Yankees very briefly, uh, had to get reps and had to get playing time. Because Cowboy too Yes. Cow- Cowboy I want to say minute. he started against the Bears on a Thanksgiving game. I think you're right about that. And uh, that was about the only thing he did in his NFL career. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but it reminds me of kind of like living – in this moment, being a kid during the Jordan stuff, hearing yeah. all the stories, it's it's almost like how Tom Brady is discussed.
0: You know, it, it's it's good. And, and it, it also reminds me of, like, when you know that you happen to be playing with genius, mm-hmm. you know, soak it up. Soak right. it up. Um, Joe Girardi knew, and Rosner used to talk about this with me all the time because Rosner loved Maddox more than anybody. Still does. Loves Greg Maddox more than anybody. Not Gary Maddox or Mike Maddox. But... Joe Girardi realized, like, oh, this guy, Whew. yeah. So every second possible, Girardi would sit next to Greg Maddox in the dugout and talk pitching with him, talk pitching, talk strategy, talk mm-hmm. everything. And he said he uses he used that stuff his whole life as as a manager. Use some of that wisdom your whole life. You got when when you see it in front of you, pause, take note. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like you getting a chance to work with me today. Uh,
1: something like that. Sure. Going from research projects and cleaning up your coffee to getting to share the airwaves with you—it's a big step, right? It's a big day.
0: Yeah, it's exactly exactly the same. Um, Make six, sure I
1: take my notes throughout the afternoon. Make sure I'm primed and ready to go uh, here when we exit it. You just want o'clock. to roll
0: tape? You want to roll roll tape? Probably. Uh, I mean, I'm just going maybe? to
1: download this podcast right away. Yeah, and, that's a good thought. And probably just play it repeatedly as yeah. I go to bed each night, as I wake up each morning.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I think that's smart.
1: Alexa, play the greatest three hours in radio history. It'll be this show.
0: Um, Shep and I hanging out means that lots of baseball will be discussed. And we have a bunch of different things in a bunch of different directions that we'll do with you next hour, right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.